I don't know if it means actual progress or if it just means that Zay is our fave. I would like to believe that hip hop is moving forward. I want that to be real. And I, and I kind of think it's kind of happening slowly because I don't think that hip hop can survive without doing it. So yeah, I hope so for the livelihood of the culture. Hi, I'm Brittany, and this is For Colored Nerds, the weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture we rarely discuss in mixed company. After our recent discussion about Kendrick Lamar's newest and perhaps most controversial album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, we did some thinking. Kendrick isn't the only Black man in pop culture exploring the boundaries of manhood, masculinity, and questioning the ways those strict roles confine all of us. Gerard Carmichael's beautiful special, Rothaniel, also came to mind. So did the outing of TDE rapper Isaiah Rashad. And when Lil Nas X called out the BET Awards for homophobia earlier this month, we felt there was a lot more going on under the surface. So we decided to bring Vulture writer Tahaka Love back on the show to get into the slow, changing tide of how Black masculinity is expressed in pop culture. And we got deep. You are not going to want to miss this conversation. All that and more right after this quick break. Tahaka, welcome back to For Colored Nerds. Welcome back. Yo, thank y'all so much for having me. Yeah, oh, it's good to be back again. <laughs> we kept the chair there warm for you, you know? Exactly. In the aftermath of our last conversation about Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, I've been thinking a lot. <laughs> I think we've all, we've all been thinking a lot about what you walk away from that, like, conversation or from, like, his mm-hmm. artistry with, right? And a converse, another conversation started to kind of bubble amongst, like, myself, Brittany, Alexis... And feeling like it's kind of impossible to look at the new Kendrick album without thinking about it in a larger context. You know, like what it could say about the current expression of Black masculinity in pop culture. And like, truthfully, I feel like there have been a few events lately that kind of provoked the question of how much or how little the performance of Black masculinity might be changing. And if things are in fact changing in pop culture, does that signal any sort of coming shift for, you know, black men writ large? I don't know. Tahaka, we had to have you back. Had to. to, you know. Had to. Take a look at the past few months and just see if there is a, a there there. How do you feel about that? Sure. I'm, I'm down for the ride, you know. Okay. So first thing important to start with, you know, maybe what is the current situation between Lil Nas X and the BET Awards? Uh. Yes. All right. Yes. Prepare yourself. Okay. So for those who might not know, BET, you know, as per usual, I guess, posted their nominations for the 2022 BET Awards and did not nominate Lil Nas X for any awards. Okay. Now, Lil Nas X responded by accusing the network of continued homophobia. Mm -hmm. His argument is that his music has been huge over the past year, including multiple Grammy nominations, Billboard sales records, mm-hmm. and in general, just being on most kind of 
huge critics, like best of lists for music for the year. Music and rap mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So why no nomination? This is kind of the situation at large. BET did respond back and said, like, basically said they don't choose their nominees. Oh, gosh. That was so embarrassing. They just get regular people to take a quiz and then they can be a part of the BET award voting body. Child. Clearly. Which is wild. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I'm curious, like, to just go around and to Haka, you know, maybe let's start with you. Like, what do you think Lil Nas X's argument and like him naming that feeling, it seems like he has. What I hear from Lil Nas X right off the bat is someone who's actually very hurt by this, very hurt by mm-hmm. a network that is, at least on the surface level, committed to targeting a Black audience, a Black audience that has received Lil Nas X pretty well, actually. Yeah. And for me, it seems like he, he has felt betrayed over the last couple of years because of how BET has treated him and other queer artists as well. I'm looking directly at Pose. I don't know uh, oh, how, yeah, how y'all feel yeah. about that or like how yeah. they how they treated mm-hmm. that show. They did that like weird thing where they nominated Billy Porter for yep. Best Actor, but didn't even say the name Pose in the yeah. press release. Like wow. it was so strange. So there is a history of this. I think his argument is pretty rock solid. What I do want to put across is that it's not. It doesn't feel as serious as this to a certain degree sure. because he made like a troll like he's trolling <laughs> yeah. like he made a whole song right like he's a master troll like he made a whole song fuck BET doing all that fuck stuff. BET yeah. fuck BET yeah. fuck BET yeah. fuck BET so like you know he's he's playing it up but I think what's fascinating about this situation is that BET actually responded yeah I, I wasn't I wasn't actually expecting BET res- to respond for this because they don't really care I'm just, <laughs> I mean we can tell right like the press release that they dropped they were like yo we've given you stuff yeah okay we've nominated you we've had you perform for us we've given you crumbs except that shit and keep it moving all that's to you and all the queers to you and all your crew except that mm-hmm. shit and keep it fucking moving okay so, yeah, I think his argument is really rock solid and BET has a long history of this. So it makes sense that, that the troll is actually hitting them and, they're, and that they're talking. But I was very, very surprised by the fact that they responded to this at all. The thing also is like, I'm not a big award show person. Mm-hmm. I think I've said that consistently on the show. But I've more than anything not taken the actual BET awards extremely seriously if that makes any sense yeah Mm -hmm. a lot of times the categories they aren't like about like best song they're more just like really category like best pop artist period and you can get nominated in there even if you don't have music i'm pretty sure like nikki got nominated at one point (laughs) and like she had a product a project out in a minute so i don't really pay attention to a, a ton of it but when Lil Nas X kind of put this out, it actually did kind of strike a bit of a chord for me. And I think there's mm-hmm. this thing where it's like, you know, why can't I get, I'm being celebrated. I've broken, Industry Baby broke a billboard record. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, I'm being celebrated all over. I am doing mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but I can't get no love at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's the yeah. thing. I can't get, yeah. I'm not even from the family. Yeah. And so I think, to your point, like I wasn't really tripping about it too hard until I'm just like, well, damn, I, even if you're not casting your nomination committee, mm-hmm. you should be because Black Famous is a thing. Mm-hmm. We don't get mm-hmm. a ton of opportunities to really celebrate that. That's the reason why you best believe if I ever won an NAACP image me? award, Are you kidding me? I would never <laughs> fucking let you forget it. I would never let you forget it. 
Oh my God. <laughs> and so like, you know, these things do matter a little bit. Yeah. I was a little, I think a little more charged up than even Lil Nas X was. Cause I was just like, dang, I get it. No, I 100% get it. I mean, there's definitely hurt there, like there, because as you said, Eric, Black Famous is a thing. It still means something to go to the award ceremony and mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. be around everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like to have our space, to be around other Black celebrities and Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow, who was actually <laughs> on Industry Baby, right? Jack yeah, Harlow, literally. who was actually was nominated, nominated for, for a BET award, award okay? Um, <laughs> what, what more did Lil Nas X have to have do? To like, do. <laughs> what more did he have to do? He brought this man to the table and, and Jack Harlow is eating, okay? So that, it hurts because like you want to feel the love coming from home. And I completely understand where he's coming from in that. You know, actually... This situation with Lil Nas X and BET is indicative of what I think many celebrities are fearful of when coming out. That what's happening to Lil Nas X right now, in some way, shape, or form, his fans and his or former fans and the public are abandoning him. And that makes me think about, to kind of pivot a little bit, Rathaniel, the comedy special by Gerard Carmichael. Mm. And yeah. it's been lauded for being this beautifully shot, hilarious, shockingly vulnerable yeah. comedy special. My whole life was shrouded in secrets and figured the only route I haven't tried was the truth. So I'm saying everything. Here's everything. Watching it felt like the most, I've never had, I've never felt like an intimate experience as far as the delivery and all this sort of stuff. But like, that's how it felt when I was watching this cozy he was beautifully lit. And the last part, uh, or rather, you know, the vulnerability bit, right? The shockingly vulnerable part of, you know, Rathaniel is that he comes out in this special to the audience. He kind of details the complicated ways that being gay has, or coming out as gay to his friends and family has kind of like affected his life. And so first of all, Tehaka, I want to ask, <laughs> have you seen Rathaniel? And if you've seen it, what did you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched it twice. I liked it. I liked it for what it was. I felt like to use stand up as a medium to then create a space for yourself to feel safe, mm. to be vulnerable with other people. It was really cool. It felt like something that really revealed to us how sort of stayed and static stand-up has been for the last Say however it. long. Yeah. So for him just to make the change of like, hey, I'm going to sit down on a stool and have some bisexual lighting and, <laughs> you know, really turn this up. Like, I felt like that was, it's like these small touches yeah. that make it feel like a whole mm -hmm. new experience. And I thought that was really cool. In terms of the content, I mean, the first time that I watched it, I, I was like, are there going to be any jokes told? Like, are we going <laughs> to tell any jokes? I was like, I came here to have some fun. After a while, I was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. And I really enjoyed the revelations that he was sort of processing in real time, mm -hmm. that he was sort of like coming into in real time when he was able to articulate in real time. And like, that was very fascinating to me and to have an audience that was actually like low-key challenging yeah. him. Oh, so <laughs> good, yeah. Like challenging him and then consoling him at by the end of it, like pressing him and asking him whether or not he believes that his mother can change or that the people mm -hmm. around him will continue to love him or um, whether or not he needs that validation from other people to keep going. Like those type of questions that are happening in a stand-up right. routine. Like that's that's pretty lit. I think that's pretty cool. I don't think it was something that was like revolutionary or anything like that. I think stand-up comedy is still pretty state and pretty static. And I, you know, I'll, I can go on a limb and say that. But I do think that what he's sort of doing is telling us that or showing us that 
stand-up can be a medium to be real, yeah. like actually tell the truth about something and, and still do it in a comedic way, regardless of the fact that I was searching for jokes. Like, do it, still do it in a comedic way, but be vulnerable and truthful um, and almost soulful. Uh, that I, re- mm-hmm. I really enjoy that about. It hit me a lot harder. I don't know. I think it, I thought it was like revolutionary, or like change comedy or anything like that. <laughs> but it was arresting. I think how mm-hmm. different it felt watching it. The experience of watching that felt very different. It made sense actually that Bo Burnham directed it. A lot of people have very complicated feelings about Bo Burnham, and for this work, you're entitled to all of them. But I'm a bit of a fan, and. <laughs> He just does a lot of weird shit that's beautifully shot. And like the intimacy that was created with this was so powerful, I think, for like the message being delivered. I thought it was a beautiful way to break apart your own myth Mm. abruptly. Like I kind of wish I didn't catch Twitter the day or two after it came out because I am one of the people who would have been pretty shocked. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like in terms of like... Like, oh, okay. I know I hadn't, you know, checked in with you in a minute. You know what I'm saying? In terms of, like, the content or what you've been up to. I didn't, I didn't know. I wanted to be able to, like, go on the complete journey that he had kind of designed for the people in the audience. Because mm. it's yeah. so intimate. I felt like it almost feels like when people talk about what it's like to listen to a podcast and, like, you're talking back to the screen. The, the other reason why I think I felt that is because even though this was a narrative about coming out and then figuring out how to like like what the state of your life is after you know in terms of what your relationship are with other people and i found so much in like the familial humor and pain there's so many of us who i think have nothing else but to laugh at that you know what i'm saying like to your point to right. like was it jokes it was kind of funny but also the shit be kind of <laughs> yeah. sad yeah <laughs> you know and black families be like that a lot <laughs> you know yes I was just like, wow, I'm like, I'm connecting with this on so many levels. I thought that was really beautiful. And I was afraid a little bit in the middle. Like after he's like started to actually like come out, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit like, how is this going, is this going to change any of the reception in the audience? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like at certain points they would flash on the camera, you know, the audience. Mm -hmm. And like, it was some, it was some cats, you know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. was some cats in the audience. <laughs> he not said, cats. He said niggas and Yankee hats. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because so. <laughs> I can feel it, bro. I can feel it. There's a lot that happens coming out. Like, I'm telling you guys, and I know, like, some of y'all, like, I see the Yankee fitteds. Like, some of y'all are just like, oh, shit. We had a gay show, bro. You know, I'm not trying to generalize that, but let's be real. You know, like we might have been wondering what was going on. (laughs) So it just was, it was, it's hard to react negatively to that when you see how much buy-in even he's getting from folks in the room. And so Mm -hmm. I thought that was really powerful. It just made, I was sitting in familiar, I thought I needed to go to therapy after because I was just sitting in (laughs) like family mess <laughs> and i just thought it was powerful for that like when have we gotten that in a stand-up in a black stand-up special recently yeah nah. from a man you mean yeah i feel like from a male chris, chris rock really that. tried he was trying to do something with the tambourine and whatever tried. came after they all tried it, it didn't i'm not trying to hear that shit from chris rock bro i'm not trying to get his 444 album bro we're, we're done with it we're done but yeah it was just like it felt so it felt so different for that 
Brittany, how about you? What did you think? Um, I really enjoyed watching it. I mean, I, I do wish that I had been able to just like watch it like the way that the audience had. Like the cynic in me is like, did they feel like they needed to make this announcement to prime mm. his, mm. you know what I mean? To his, yeah. his fans or something like that to like head off negative reaction. It's interesting, like with stand up as it pertains to how LGBTQ folks are talked about, yeah. um, stand up <laughs> from black men. Um, has been so rough, like yeah. the past few years. It's been rough. I mean, it's been rough forever. But the yeah. past few years, like as society, like overall, has been moving forward. And Dave Chappelle is like, Nah, I'm gonna stay right here and just <laughs> I'm gonna Committed. like I'm gonna be more trans. I'm gonna somehow be more transphobic and regressive than I was 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> like, which is oh weird. God. Like, what? Like, what's what is this about? Yeah. Fuck y'all, I'm moving back. Exactly. Like, actually, <laughs> actually, I want to go back. It's offensive and people have stated it over and over again. They don't like it. So I I'm just go with that opinion of the situation. But it also creates distance between me and the comedian, like me and the audience. It just makes me feel like if the most vulnerable people in society can get it. It doesn't make me feel safe or good sitting in the audience. But but with Gerard Carmichael and Nathaniel, I, I didn't feel attacked or unsafe as an audience member. Like I felt safe, but I also felt closer to him than ever. I mm-hmm. was looking at him and it felt like I was like out with a friend, like having a drink. You know, when you just really haven't seen somebody while y'all really talk. Like that's how mm-hmm. it felt. And that seems so opposite of the posture that many Gen X black male comedians have been taking really yes. hard for like the past five or six or seven years. And so I just really enjoyed like how confessional and intimate it felt, the way that he sat down and brought himself closer to the audience and didn't have the posture of, you know, standing up or pumping back and forth across <laughs> the stage and screaming and putting his arms out, like, you know, in like a leather suit like Chris Rock. <laughs> Although I loved that version of Chris Rock. Yeah, so I was like, gonna say, let me, <laughs> let me just be honest. But yeah, it, it was interesting because funnily enough, like maybe not two or three weeks before Rathaniel came out, I saw a live performance by Michael Che. And I have a lot of complicated feelings about Michael Che and some of the things that he said. Actually, it wasn't even a routine. It was just him kind of like trying stuff out, working things out. Like somebody would sh- off stage would shout a topic and he would just like start talking. It was amazing to see somebody so talented really work at that level. I was like, wow, mm. you really, you got it. Like you got the juice. And the thing that mm. made me sad, I can't remember everything, but he started to make a couple like real off color remarks. And he was like, ah, I'm not going to go that way because I remember how you all acted when I said X, Y, Z about Simone Biles. So it was like, he was referencing the fact that what he had said previously, some really disgusting stuff. You can look it up. I'm not going to repeat it about Simone Biles. Yeah. And he was kind of like, I'm not going to say that again because it's going to bother you guys. Now, he made mention of some other kind of story that actually sounded kind of sad and painful. And he like paused. It was like as soon as it became like if it was uncomfortable for the audience, he was like, well, I'm not going to go further because y'all can't handle it. But when it was you could see something was uncomfortable for him. It was like he backed up reverse and wanted to change (laughs) topics. So when I'm watching Nathaniel a few weeks later, I, I couldn't help but compare those two experiences. Like Gerard Carmichael brought me closer as an audience member where I felt like Michael Che had pushed me away. But it did make me curious as to like what happens for someone like Gerard Carmichael next. 
I'm so glad you brought up that constellation of comedians too. Like Michael Shea. Me too. Dave Chappelle. You know, like all these folks who kind of really have leaned into, I think, a lot of like the crystallization of like a level of like meanness. And aside from that, they are also kind of pinnacle of black comedy kind of right now. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. quite unfair to say. You got Kevin Hart, obviously, as well. Like, but, you know, they're up there, you know, in terms of like most popular black comedians, they're up there. And Gerard Carmichael is up there, too. And it's so interesting to see the shift or to be at this point in his career right now. If you look back at who Gerard Carmichael represented in comedy and black comedy, like the Carmichael show was supposed to really be a recentering of like classic black family sitcom, you know, like it was really trying to do the all in the family type of thing again in a natural way. You have Gerard, who is like newlywed, he's talking through like all these hot button topics with David Allen Greer, Loretta Devine. It was like a really a powerhouse of a show built around very classic, straight dynamics. Okay. They even made a few like jokes about Gerard, like, you know, acting like weird or gay, I think in the pilot. So Gerard Carmichael is like, at this moment, he is kind of like our. Bo Burnham. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> folks act like Bo Burnham is truly a, like, comedy wonder king. Yeah. yeah like, genius. True. Yeah. It's true. So level it's intellect. True. And don't get to this. I, I like a lot of this stuff, but I don't know. I know but they that... think it's like Andy Kaufman, who yeah. I also think maybe yeah. they gassed a little too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't hate me. I agree. But Gerard was the guy. You know what I'm saying? He was the folks who, like, the nerdy comedy fanboys and the folks who still say stuff like backpack rap all could get behind. <laughs> And so, like, you know, he's on his way to, like, Eddie or Pryor. And so now I'm very curious about, like, with this declaration, how will his black male fans who really idolized him or idolize him, how are they going to react? What are they going to choose? How much space is there continued for, like, Gerard Carmichael to be the guy? I know what I hope, but I'm curious, like, Tahaka, what do you think? Well, I do think there's a slight pivot here. You can tell by just the aesthetic of the stand-up special, right? He's kind of pivoting to sexy. I don't know if y'all have seen this. Oh, I've seen that. When he hosted SNL and he had the all-white cream. Yes. Mm-hmm. John, I was like, Gerard, I always saw me? it for the record. I always saw it for the record. I'm not his target audience. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, apparently, you know, mm-hmm. he, likes, he likes saltine pee. He's, That's not my thing, personally. It. I think it is important, though, that that we do note that there is something happening here. There is a change that's happening within that cohort. Gerard did an interview or profile with GQ Hype, and he talks about Dave Chappelle's transphobic jokes. And, you know, he doesn't he doesn't I don't think he goes like all the way wild with it. What he says is that, you know, you know, you can say whatever you want, bro. Mm -hmm. Like you're the legend. You can basically like you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But if you type that nigga name into Google, the first thing that come up is transphobia. And he's like, do you want that to be your legacy? If you do, go for it, bro. Like, that's kind of what he was saying. So I think what's happening is that there is a kind of a divide that's sort of growing, at least to me, from based on what I'm seeing, as far as we know publicly, like, it feels like there is a growing divide within that cohort of comedians who are, at least in Gerard's case, we don't know how those relationships might have changed after Rathaniel. Yeah. We really don't. And it seems like something has shifted because Gerard don't be this loud talking about people like this. Like, he really he don't. He don't just say names like he that. He stay low. He really stay low. 
So for him to come out like that and be like, well, he literally saying Dave Chappelle's name and like that's that's kind of wild. So I don't know if he's the family man anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's I think he's moved on to gay sex icon <laughs> and t- attempting to do that, but also being possibly being someone who's trying to press against the sort of traditional male comedy thing id that's going on because. Honestly, it's boring. It's just boring. At the end of the day, like, it's violent and all that. We can talk about all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. But at the end of the day, this shit is boring. Like, y'all got to do something different. Like, hit me with some better jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want something better. And if Gerard wants to do that, if Gerard wants to be a part of the vanguard <laughs> who's, like, pressing that forward, I'm with it. You know, yeah. I can't I can't hold him up. I would, I would love to see it for sure. Ah, uh, man. It'll be interesting to see what the response is to the next special, whatever he decides to share or, you know, as he continues to be in movies or on TV shows or whatever. I'll be curious to see, like, how sustained conversation about him is. Because, I mean, everybody met uh, Lil Nas X with open arms. And then one lap dance, one lap dance yeah. in a cornrow <laughs> wig on the on Satan. And on, suddenly, on Satan, so. now and suddenly, we're tripping. <laughs> You can't be at the BET Awards. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see, like, uh, you know, people welcome you with open arms. And then as you begin to actually express things that you just really want to talk about, people switch up. So I'll be curious to see what happens with that. To return to music a little bit, talking about Gerard Carmichael and uh, Lil Nas X as two people who were able to choose to come out, to your earlier point, Daraka. This also makes me think about people who haven't been able to choose to disclose anything that they want about their sexuality. And going back to music, I think about Isaiah Rashad. And Isaiah Rashad in February experienced something that I think even in the very recent past might have been something that could have tanked his career. Mm-hmm, a sex yeah. tape of his where he was engaged in sexual activity with a man was leaked to the public, like without his yeah. consent. But what happened afterward was kind of surprising, especially him being a black, assumedly straight man, previously assumed to be straight man in hip hop. And, you know, in addition to that first initial huge burst of homophobia, there was also a surprisingly large chorus of people saying that, oh, this shouldn't matter. Isaiah Rashad is talented. He's like an up and coming rapper that we love. And this doesn't have shit to do with that. How did you experience the leak of that sex tape and the response to it, Tahaka? So I saw that Isaiah Rashad was trending and it was just like an immediate click because I just love Isaiah Rashad. But when I saw what it was about, that it was like a leaked sex tape, I was like, oh, oh no. And it, it's not, oh no, that, oh, this nigga's gay. It's like, actually, I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. I, I'm much, much more <laughs> eager to like, him. I'm there. I'm like, <laughs> like, I knew it was the reason I liked like, you. <laughs> it really was. I was like, okay, so this actually makes sense. Like, I've been, I've been listening to this dude for like eight years. And I was wondering why. I'm like, I relate to this dude so much. Like, I, he's legitimately my favorite rapper. Like, Kendrick is a rapper that probably makes me think the most, as we talked mm-hmm. about in the last episode. But like, Isaiah Rashad is, because we're damn near the same age. He's a rapper that I like relate to the most. When I hear his raps, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's felt. Oh, that's felt as well. Damn. Wow. Are you writing about me? You know? <laughs> so when this came out and knowing his sort of history of mental health issues, substance abuse issues, I was immediately just like nervous for him, like mm-hmm. just scared, honestly, for his mental state, mm-hmm. w- like what he was feeling in the moment. Um, because yeah, it's just it's it's really it's really hard. It, even if people support you, 
Like even if you, even if you're getting like a, a a wave of support from your fans, to have that part of yourself exposed without your consent to it, it's just hard to deal with. And to have to then go and talk to your family about it yeah. and like talk to people who didn't know or um, whatever repercussions he believed that his children might face because of that. I'm just, I'm really just glad that he's okay now. Yeah. But I was really scared for him. Like I was, yeah, I was pretty emotional actually. It was, it was, it kind of hit me because I was, I was, I was like, I don't know if I, what I would do if we got news about something happening to Zay. Mm-hmm. Like I don't actually know how I'll respond to that. I, I, I wouldn't be well at all. A part of what he represents for the culture, like you know, like you said, Kendrick is kind of like at the height. I think Kendrick is like already up there, but Isaiah Rashad is kind of that person who you just hope continues to exist. Like I hope he gets whatever Memphis Bleak had for a while, just like. <laughs> But, you know, let him take his time. Whatever you want, whenever you want to make music, he make music. Like I just, I want him to be out there rapping. I yeah. want that because he makes magic when he does it. Similar to you, I was really, really worried about him. And you know, since the leak of the tape, obviously he has done this like huge, surprisingly candid and vulnerable interview with Joe Button. Like, oh my god, of all, of all, of people. all people, you know, and you know, Joe tried his damnedest, and for us, what he did all right. He did, he did all right. This is the only highly praise you will hear from me to Joe Button. What? But like, it was clear he was try. He was like, I am a journalist you could today. See every brain cell. <laughs> Focus. Focus. Yes. It was one question where he was just like, depression. <laughs> Walk me through it. What else do I have for you? You told me about depression. You told me. Yeah, I, was, I had to. Um, I fell off. I had to go back to. I had to go uh, check myself in for a little bit. I, I went and stayed at a little sober living for about two weeks. Sober living. So what is to, what is sober living? <laughs> Your experiences, feelings. They were deep. Share them. Like it was wild. It was wild. But. Jokes aside, the interview was actually pretty good in the sense of like it was really good. Isaiah really got to like share, and he shared to your point, Tahaka, that those fears were grounded. He he tried mm-hmm. to harm himself on a couple occasions, just being overwhelmed with like what it means to be exposed like this. Like I'm kind of fascinated by a little bit of where we are, though. I would not have expected. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Joe, Joe is, rarely chooses the right side of history, just in general. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? But like so many things seem to have happened at least a little bit right. Okay, this terrible thing happens to Isaiah Rashad. Obviously, you know, the folks who are going to come out the woodwork and act up, they start doing that. But then you also have a pretty sizable group of folks who you maybe wouldn't have expected also saying that. You also have like other artists also kind of saying that. Mm-hmm. You had this constellation of people basically being like, hey, does, does this really fucking matter? Like, does it really matter? I'm curious who you think this gets a couple more rappers maybe taking a chance on, like, it being probably a more honest version of who they are. I don't know for sure. I, I really don't. Because while, yes, I do think that there is some truth to the idea that, like, especially younger generations are going to be like, yo, who gives a shit? Nigga was sucking dick. Apparently he was pretty good at it. Like, just let him live. Because me and my friends were very surprised by the response as well. We were sort of like, this is going kind of well. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why is that happening? And I remember riding an Uber with one of my friends and she was like, 
everyone loves TDE, dude. Niggas love TDE. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so when when you got a favorite, like when they're your fave, you're just gonna do more. Mm. Like you're gonna have more sympathy for them. And like people love them, niggas. Like, and it's not just black men who love them. It's like so. I think there's that level of like favoritism that we all just are like inherently have. I think, and and I also think that the method of his sexuality being revealed is also very important. It wasn't it wasn't consensual. Like mm-hmm. it's not something that he would came out proudly, but like it sort of just dropped on him. So I think there's a lot of things at work there. The other thing that I'll say and what's revealed in the in the interview too, which I thought was very interesting, there was a moment where Joe Budden was like, "Are you gonna like rap about your sexuality yep. and stuff like that? Are you gonna do all that?" Yeah, but. I had to have a conversation with myself. Does the music change at all? Hell no. Because that's first and foremost for me is that... I can you, say some you, more hurtful you stuff You go. Now. I mean, like, some of the stuff that was bothering me from, like, conversations that I didn't want to put in the raps. It's like, now it's like, why not? Like, I might as well talk about whatever's been going on. Because I'd be trying to just save people. Like, you know, in your personal life. He is not... Back to Lil Nas X's point, he's not like flamboyant, and I think I don't I don't know if it means actual progress or if it just means that Zay is our fave. Mm. I would like to believe that hip hop is moving forward. I want that to be real, and I and I kind of think it's kind of happening slowly because I don't think that hip hop can survive without doing it. Agreed. So yeah, I hope so for the livelihood of the culture that we actually don't give a shit, you know, but I'm not really sure if that's, if that's accurate, to be honest. What do you think, Brittany? You know, it's an interesting moment in music right now. We have, you know, as we've discussed, Lil Nas X, Isaiah Rashad, Saucy Santana, who Love him. is having a hell of a summer right now. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. And like, he's having a moment. Um, but Saucy Santana, Lil Nas X, Isaiah Rashad, like they're all being welcomed with fairly open arms. You know, random internet men and BET (laughs) awards notwithstanding. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, also though, we're in this moment where like people like the late Kevin Samuels, you know, are also being platformed by other artists. And the Black Manosphere is still seemingly very popular, um, even if, if, if the Manosphere itself, right, like went away tomorrow, yeah. the ideas espoused by Kevin Samuels and the Manosphere would still be would still be pretty popular. All these things right. are happening at the same time. Like, wh- what, what does that mean <laughs> that we're in this moment where it feels like we're nudging forward with some progress, but also like we have these ideas that you would have thought would have died out like 40 years ago that are coming back to bite us in the ass? Like, what does that mean? It is a fascinating sort of thing that's happening right now. It sort of speaks to the echo chambers and silos that we live in on the in the internet space. C- because yeah, the black manosphere, I, I think it hasn't been, ever been stronger. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like, and the ways in the ways that these black men are being radicalized on the internet is so fucking oh my god, it's so pernicious. When it comes to queerness, there is just like this obsession that people have with queerness, and I remember doing this thing about Lil Nas X last year when I was writing for the Daily Beast. And my editor at the time was like, yo, uh, it was like uh, the DaBaby stuff had just dropped and he was he was going hard on, on Lil Nas X. And it was like a week after the uh, Boozy had oh said God. some weird shit. It was just a terrible yeah. week for the queers then, <laughs> you know? So 
my editor came up to me and he was like, yo, you want to write something about this? How the baby's going hard? And I'm just sort of like, not really, bro. Because like, I'm tired of writing the same shit. I'm not tired of writing like, where where is hip hop at? Like, where is hip hop at when it comes to queerness? What I know for sure is that there are queer artists who are making dope music. Mm-hmm. There are like trans artists who are making dope music that exist in a hip hop space and are expanding the form. I get that. But there are very popular men in hip hop who are obsessed with the queerness of others, with the sexuality of others. They get paid from somebody. Mm. And there's an interest there to keep those audiences entertained. And it's not like those audiences are so separate from listening to like Joe Rogan or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, I can't say that I, I was surprised by the general reaction to Isaiah Rashad, but I think that there were some mitigating factors for sure. And, and the reasons why we responded the way that we did. Hmm. I mean, it's so fair. I think the thing, I, I mean, I struggle, Brittany knows this, we talk about this all the time, especially when politics comes up. I struggle with optimism. I generally like have been a person like, <laughs> I personally like, oh, I think it could be getting better. Uh, <laughs> and I, for what it's worth, in this moment, I, I think I do still retain a little bit of that. I think I, where I struggle with where I am right now in relationship to all these things that are happening in music is like, I feel like I'm seeing things that I wish were happening faster, but that are leading to somewhere we maybe want to go. There are cats who I know. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, right? And I'm not saying I love Memphis, Tennessee. It's a beautiful place with beautiful people. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people try to shit on the South. South has a lot of very understanding people there. But I also am from Memphis, Tennessee. And you know what I'm saying? Like, the South (laughs) is the South. And like, I know a lot of, I know people there who, when I was in high school, would have very, very different opinions, who are saying things and making space for folks who I have not seen before. I think we need people who are like on the other side of the queer artists who are, are just living and doing, trying to like mm-hmm. succeed. I do think we need other people who are willing to like speak in like defense of them without it necessarily coming after like a situation like Isaiah Rashad experienced, you know? But I do think something is moving in a positive direction. And like, I don't know, I'm also I'm also straight. And so like, you know, I, I sit in a position that is like a little more comfortable to think that. But I am seeing things that I feel like I cannot ignore. And I do think that that is positive. I'm hoping that they continue to happen with more frequency. I don't know. I need a drink. I hope so. I mean, I don't know. I, something... <laughs> I mean, I hope so. I'm always hoping for the best. I think the thing for me is I'm just like, I want to see the artists make that same kind of money and receive the same kind of respect before and after coming out or being outed. Mm -hmm. And I like would love to see like, okay, you know, you all are more generous with the Joe Budden interview than I was. There was a couple (laughs) moments that really stuck out to me where I was just like, I don't know Joe Budden personally. Beyond what mm-hmm. he shared on television, which is enough. Um, <laughs> I was, there were, there were just like points where I was just like, I really wish that Isaiah Rashad had been interviewed by somebody with like more conversational yes. empathy. Let's yeah. put it like yes. that. Absolutely. There were parts also too, as an interviewer, where I was like, well, damn, like, why did you, he was about to, he was saying something. Mm-hmm. And now here you are talking about how, what you think. And he's like, you know, I didn't. The first two years, you know, I only felt nervous oh to write God. the first two years of my career. <laughs> it was like some things where I was just like, 
it was very, it, it, I mean, it was a great watch because it was interesting to see Joe Budden. You could see just different levels of his brain were like he was, there was a lot going on within him. That nigga was struggling. He was struggling. <laughs> he was stressed. He was, it was it, like at some points it seemed like he felt insecure. Yeah. Uh, He's also kind of lusty. I don't know. Did y'all get you that know, sense? That was a little. There was, oh, well. yeah. I mean, they, there was a chemistry <laughs> also that was present to the they interview were it that off for was. Sure. This is something that I've noticed because Flex and Tyler's interview. Do you remember that? Interview, I remember Brittany? that interview. Oh my god, Flex was so uncomfortable. Flex, Flex was, was like, oh wait, yes, like, yes, 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 like, yes. Like there is something about these types of interviews that have these straight dudes a little. Um, it's well, it was interesting even just hearing at points Joe Budden was like over identifying with Isaiah Rashad, where he was just like, you know, Isaiah was like, yeah, you know, our people were actually like really encouraging, blah blah. And Joe was like, I'm jealous. This is not the hip hop that I came into. I'll tell you that. You know, they've gotten so much support. Like I'm talking about like to even today. He's like, yo, I'm proud of you. Like you understand, like my little brother so is or my little cousin is type of shit. Like I'm so jealous of that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I am such a hater. It's cool though. I mean, I I guess if, if if my situation can help anybody, just like anything. Well, that's a curious thing to say. That was yes. that struck me as so curious. Where I was just like, what What are we talking about? What What's going on? Yeah. Like, what are, like, are like all? Are you all having a conversation that I'm not a part of, or are you right. having a conversation that Isaiah Rashad and I we're in our own conversation and you someplace else? But there was just like an interesting like one-upsmanship there was yes. discomfort there was like at points kind of begging him off of sharing detail but also kind of luridly seeming to want details it kind of feels like there was a level of yeah. shame in the air in the conversation between him and joe budden and i think some of that definitely has to do with the nature of how things happened right like mm -hmm. nobody wants to have a a sex tape of them out there like that it was hard to sort of like untangle like what like What's the air of shame around the tape, and what's mm. the air of shame around being outed, and what's yeah. the and what's the shame around like you know people who didn't know this thing about you now knowing this thing about you, and and how are they going to feel differently? It made me sad. I think that the, like what made me sad is like obviously some of the shame that Isaiah was feeling ashamed at all because I feel like he shouldn't feel that way. I felt for him. I wish that he wouldn't feel that way, but I also felt like. We all know, like we all know, like even beyond like Joe Budden not necessarily being the most progressive fellow, right? We all know that like he is a loose cannon and he's yeah. not exactly the most tactful guy. Even someone like mm -hmm. Ebro, who I don't think of as also like the most progressive fellow, has a yeah. lot more tact in his yeah. delivery, you know? Mm -hmm. And yes. it just made me feel like, so on some level, we all in this room, know that this is not the best that we as a people can do. <laughs> and what makes me sad is that it feels like <laughs> on some level, we feel like in order, what well, makes me question, like in order for Isaiah Rashad to be, to feel comfortable in the fold or to be welcomed, quote unquote, back into whatever fold. Yeah. That's right. Is That's this right. something that he has to be subjected to? And also That's fans right. and viewers. Yeah. Is this something that we as human beings or also like other queer listeners and fans, is this something that, that they have to be subjected to? Yeah. That, that for me is like, I do see progress, but I'm like, man, I'm looking forward to, like now that I've seen this, right? This was a big step forward compared to where, where when I think about other people like 
you know, who've had rumors around or had, you know, whatever. Like Isaiah Rashad, like the overall warm, welcoming, Mm -hmm. like that tenor of things, like it's been positive. But I'm really looking forward to a day when we can kind of get past the, we don't need to stop at a Joe Budden on the PR train. Like somebody else can do this job or maybe the job doesn't need to be done. Like maybe, Mm. or maybe it's just a completely different conversation. Maybe it's a joyous conversation. Maybe there's anger about being outed and some shame around the tape, but maybe like, it would have been cool to me to see instead of like having to have, like, it felt like with Joe Budden as the audience proxy, I would have loved to have seen somebody who felt some of the same joy in also being sexually fluid or pansexual um, I would have loved to have seen connection and relation between Isaiah Rashad and another Black man who loves and lives similarly. That could have been cool. I would love to see uh, to see more of that. But 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 you know, I mean, you know, I'm like I'm always asking for a lot. I mean, I'm I think we all happen. are. I think we we is hip hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We ask for the shit yeah. what we want, or it's, you know, it's comedy. <laughs> we can ask for what we want. We we be kind of dancing through it. it. Seems like we've settled on the idea that. Maybe things are starting to shift. It ain't shifted. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but this, but, it's, but it's, it is fascinating kind of the moment that we are in. And I, mm-hmm. man, oh man, I am so curious to kind of just keep watching these spaces like, you know, like hip hop, like comedy, where being a black man in those spaces has meant a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that thing to be a lot less clear. That feels like a good mm. progression for mm. 2022. That was nicely put. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Tahaka, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. So much thank fun. Thank y'all. This has been great. So, mu- so much fun. This has been excellent. So much fun. Always you know? a pleasure. Remind the folks where they can come support your work. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter. T-I-R-H-A-K-A-H-L-O-V-E. That is my name. Also subscribe to Dinner Party. That's newyorkmag.com slash dinner party. Our daily evening newsletter where we poke fun at all the things that are happening in the news every single day. I know it's psychotic, but I do it for you, (laughs) for the people. So yeah, come and join us. It's fun. I promise. I promise you're going to have a good time and it's free. So Jesus Christ, like you have no fucking excuse. There you go. Show up and get that work. For Colored Nerds was created by me, Eric Eddings, and Brittany Luce. It's supported by a production team at Stitcher, including producer Alexis Williams, story editor Gianna Palmer, social producer Elise Ellis, and engineer Marcus Hom. Our theme music is by Willie Green. And look, y'all, we love hearing from you so, so much. So please shout us out on Instagram at For Colored Nerds, on Twitter at For Colored Nerds. You can find us everywhere at For Colored Nerds. And tell your friends, too. We love it also when we're like, yo, my homie, cousin, best friend, told me to listen to this episode and it was bomb and then I subscribed that's like my favorite song so please do your do your friend do your community a favor and share an episode and tell us which one it was <laughs>